Hello and welcome to another edition of Sunday Stories, where we tell the stories of the people who make North Church Guthrie such a special place to be. I'm your host, Corey White, and I'm joined by our guest this week, Jansen Miller. Jansen, thanks for being on the show. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I ask typically when I start this, uh, how'd you get involved with North Church Guthrie? Well, it's a funny story. Um, as per anything, I feel like Hetty has introduced a ton of people to Guthrie, and I was in a mastermind group that Hetty was leading last fall, and it was just with a few business leaders in the Oklahoma City metro, and about three weeks into the call, he mentioned that he was a pastor at North, and I had just started getting to know Hetty through that process, and you know it was kind of fast friendship, so as soon as he said that, I thought, you know, wherever this guy is, he is such a great leader. I feel like that's where we need to be. And it was perfect timing because we had just relocated to kind of the Northeast Arcadia, right on that line of Edmund Guthrie area. So we didn't know we needed it, but we decided to adopt Guthrie as our new hometown. So God's timing was perfect. What Hetty has brought a lot of people to to North Church, and it, a lot of people have said that. But what is it about Hetty that makes you just go wherever that guy is? I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. You know, um, my previous coach, business coach Marcus Black, he said one time that a lot of great leaders have what he calls the Jesus gene, where people are leading like Jesus, and they just people flock to them, you know, because they are just radiating love and and graciousness and kindness and so I think with Hetty I think Hetty has that Jesus gene that he is truly leading and living like Jesus and therefore people naturally gravitate towards him so I hope he's listening I need I need brownie points Hetty that I'm (laughs) saying you have the Jesus gene but I think that's what really makes Guthrie special and the first time we visited something that was really hard for me when we moved because Sean and I relocated as soon as we got married to California and lived for two years in the Bay area and loved the diversity. We loved all the different cultures. We loved being in community with people who didn't look like us, vote like us, act like us, you know, worship like us. We loved being around people who were different. And when we moved back to Oklahoma, we originally settled in Edmond and something that I really struggled with right out of the gate was in our church community at the time, I didn't see a lot of diversity. Uh, We weren't having diverse conversations. Everything was kind of cookie cutter because we were all alike and I really struggled. And so the first time we visited North Guthrie, one of my friends who was actually in the mastermind group with me in Hetty's group, uh, Donita, Donita, I was sitting next to her and she said, you know, I think this is what heaven's going to look like because there is such just an array of people in our church based on different political backgrounds, different, you know, styles of worship, different races, different histories, different family makeups. And that's what makes Guthrie so unique. It's that melting pot. And while we're different, having that common denominator of loving Jesus is is the cornerstone and so all of that diversity and all of that excitement and being not cookie cutter not exactly alike is to me what keeps us coming back 
you know, they do. I've heard that uh, it said that Sunday is the least diverse day of the week because everybody goes to church or worship uh, with people who look like them. And so I think wow. North Church has done a, a, a really good job, I think, both Guthrie and Oklahoma City uh, in, in making sure that uh, it's a church that seeks out diversity in, in both, uh, you know, viewpoints and in races and in, uh, you know, different different classes of people as well. Yeah, for sure. What, what do you do at, at North Church? What's your role? My role is I, every once in a while, once or twice a month, I am a greeter. Um, I'm still getting the hang of this because I appreciate this about North is that, and Cody, who's in charge of the, the greeters, the volunteers, that guy has a process down, man. Like he has it so um, ordered to where when you walk in the door, you are meeting with somebody who is going to greet you, who's going to love on you. And if you've never been there before, there's kind of a, a really fun, I say fun, I think systems are fun, but there's a way that we've got it structured to where the person who is greeting you on the outside, if they get talking to you and realize as you're walking in that that's maybe your first time, there's such a natural handoff of you know where to get coffee and then where to get plugged in and connections and where to learn more about the church. And so I have the just ultimate blessing of being in the connections area where I'm meeting either guests who are first time guests or members who maybe haven't been to that campus or maybe haven't been back in a while or who just need to plug in in a different way. And so I have, I have the benefit of being able to serve in the connections area. And then every once in a while, I'll get the I'll get the call up from Hetty to be on the prayer team, which at first was extremely intimidating. But now that he's done it three or four times, I'm like, do I need a badge? I really think I need a badge <laughs> if I'm going to be up here. <laughs> the uh, Those are two positions I I don't think I could do very well. I Maybe connections prayer, definitely not. It's just not my forte. What does it take to do like connections? Do you, is that kind of your personality or did you have to maybe grow a little bit to go and do those, those positions? You know, I, I definitely had to grow, but part of it was my best friend told me one time that her, her dad gave her this advice going into college. And I wish I would have known it then, which is everyone is just as uncomfortable as you are. And so going into it with the idea that as leaders, as, as volunteers, we don't have to worry about what we're not bringing to the table. If we are just showing up, if we are loving on people, if we are saying hi, if we have a smile on our face, even if we're uncomfortable, that still makes a difference. Because again, going back to what I think North does really well, which is the intentional greeting and the intentional seeking out of people. I think that's really rare. And, and just from a business perspective, I think there is an art to guest experience. And so what North does really well is recognizing that when people come in the door, even if we're a little over the top, we'd rather be over the top than underwhelm someone. Like the worst case scenario is that somebody walks out of church and says, I feel like nobody even saw me. I feel like I sat on the back row and I snuck in and I snuck out and, and I'm never going back. That is the absolute worst case scenario. So even if I'm a little over the top or even if the team is a little too much when it comes to saying hi or 
you know, reaching out and asking about how long they've been going to North or, you know, what, if they want to get plugged in or if they want to be a part of a community group, I would rather that happen and me coming across as a little bit awkward than for somebody to walk away and say, I don't feel seen, heard, or loved. So I think it's just a process, but you have to get it in your head. This is the goal. The goal is for each person to really feel like not only are they loved by God, but that they're loved by the church. That's good. When you, when you talk about, uh, you know, being on the prayer team, and I don't know if you even have an answer to this question, and not, not to get into things specific, but are, are there things that people are praying for or asking for prayer about? You know, I think, I think spiritual growth is a big part of it. I think we all, it's easy for us in our individual lives to think that we're the only ones struggling or we're the, like we're the worst of sinners right? Like we get in our head and that is a tactic of the enemy is to isolate us and make us feel like we're the only ones going through the hardship of sanctification. And so I think for, for me and for other people that I pray with, a lot of it is just needing to be vulnerable, needing to share what I'm going through so that, so that somebody else can share in that struggle and, and to truly come alongside me in community and affirm that I'm not alone and affirm that the father loves me and that God is for me and that no matter how off I feel on my sanctification journey, I'm never too far gone. You know, I'm never too unloved because of G because of what Jesus did for me. I'm, I'm always on the sanctification chart, right? I don't fall off the scale. Even when my journey is not as perfect as I want, so long as I'm growing, so long as I'm seeking the Lord, I can always be brought back in as that prodigal son, right? So I think for a lot of us, it just means stopping the train and realizing I can't do this alone. And, and I need to share with somebody else. I need to be in authentic community and I need to have somebody to intercede, even if it just means sharing that burden and saying, I'm not alone. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that, that, you know, it, you, it takes a moment to decide to become a follower of Jesus, but to learn to follow Jesus takes a lifetime. You're, you're never, you're never perfect at it. <laughs> you never will be. Nobody's perfect at it. Uh, what you, you talked a little bit about your, your life, but I just kind of want to go into that. Um, are you from Oklahoma originally? From Oklahoma originally. Um, was raised in Southern Oklahoma and I was the typical, I was raised in Southern Baptist church. And honestly, I, I had no idea that I lived smack dab in the middle of the Bible belt. I mean, and that's, I think a lot of us, we don't really realize, you know, for us, church is normal. It's most everybody in our small towns go to church. That's just the norm. I remember being in college or graduating from college and went to dinner with a guy one time and said, you know, what church do you go to? And he said, I, I, I don't. And I just remember thinking like, what, you know, who are you? What are you talking about? You don't go to church because it was just such a cultural norm in the Bible belt that whether or not you were truly in relationship with Jesus, the church is just what you did. So I'm definitely grew up in the typical Bible belt 
um, but have since learned Bible Belt living is really not normal compared to the rest of the United States. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Colorado and, and you know, my friends occasionally in the church will, you know, say something about growing up in the church and they'll just, it'll blow right past me because <laughs> I definitely, that was not the way I grew up. I grew up, did not grow up in the Bible Belt. So I hear what you're saying on the, on the other side of that. And then uh, did you go, go to college here in Oklahoma? I did. So I went to OU, went to, was, went straight from Sulphur to OU. I'm a third generation sooner. And I like to say, I'm an OU fan. My husband is a fanatic. So where I am normal and my level of, you know, fandom, he's on the crazy scale. So even when we didn't live in Oklahoma, we, we were making our trips back very frequently for OU football. <laughs> where, where did you, uh, your, your husband is Sean. Where did you meet him? We were set up. Um, we were set up by friends. There's a funny story, Corey. As per anything in our lives, there's always a story. And um, I was, we have an age difference. And my brother-in-law was friends with one of his best friends. And, and they told him that I was older than I was. And they told me he was younger than he was. And which we, we actually average out maturity wise. You know, we, I like to say we, we average out in the middle of our age difference. But um, so it was kind of just one of those things that was meant to be. And we, we met and within... 11 no eight months of meeting each other that's when Sean took the job in the Bay Area so we were engaged did long distance engagement met at Colorado to get married I brought some suitcases and was like hi good to see you here's your suit I'm flying home with you <laughs> to I guess what I'm going to call my home because I don't know where I'm going um good luck to us so <laughs> it's it's been a whirlwind. It's been, we have learned a lot of hard lessons. And I think we may have experienced like three or four out of five of the major life transitions within the first year of marriage. So I feel like we could write a book on what not to do. <laughs> what was that like to, to go through all that upheaval kind of in, in, in such an early part and critical part of a marriage? You know, I, I think we both look back and say we would have done things a lot differently, but honestly, Corey, I, I don't think I would have changed any of it because the catalyst for my spiritual growth happened when, when we got married and I moved to this land where I'm 1600 miles from friends and family. I took my job with me. So I was working virtually. I do not recommend, you know, if you're moving to a new area, where you already don't know people to then have a reason to hole up in your house for nine hours a day. <laughs> don't recommend it. Um, but I look back and I can see how God, he needed to physically remove me from my comfort zone. Because when I talk about the whole growing up in a Bible belt, I'm very honest about the fact that I called myself a Christian, but in hindsight, I was a cultural Christian. And which means I, if somebody were to say, do you believe in Jesus? I would have been very offended. Of course I believe in Jesus. But if you were to ask me, am I actually walking with him? Do I walk with Jesus? Am I seeking him? Am I desiring a life modeled after Jesus? I, 
every, occasionally, but consistently the answer would be no. You know, I was doing whatever I wanted to do and, and was still had the rules, right? The legalism to hold on to, but the relationship was not there. And so the Lord had to physically pick me up out of my comfort zone and take me to a land where I didn't know anyone. And I was lonely. I mean, Sean's working in Silicon Valley. He's working 15, 16 hours a day. It's, it's brutal. Plus traffic, you know, all of that. Add another two, three hours a day on for that. But the Lord met me so intimately by stripping away every distraction and by using loneliness as a catalyst to say, I am your hope, right? I am your source of love. I am your source of peace. And I am your identity. You don't have to measure up as a professional. You don't have to measure up, you know, with perfection. You don't have to have a perfect past. You don't have to do this. I am your foundation. And even when I was desiring the perfect marriage or the perfect life, the Lord had to say, I want you desiring me. And so that was such a gift to me that I would never exchange because that kickstarted what I say is who I am today. You know, I, I think about this a lot when I'm, I catch myself maybe going on social media or something or being distracted when I, when I am more lonely, when I feel more isolated today, we in maybe more so now than, than, you know, when you were going through that, um, you know, other, it just seems like these distractions and these, these ways uh, of, of pushing away our time from productive things have become more and more prevalent in our lives. And it just, it seems like it grows with every single day. What advice do you give people or how do they, how do they go? Those who are struggling with maybe loneliness and depression, isolation, instead of digging into your phone, dig into, dig into your faith. What, what, mm. how, how, how do you, how do you counsel people to do that? You know, I, one of the things that really worked for me, I don't know that this would work for everyone, but we lived in, well, the, the town we lived in was absolutely breathtaking. I mean, it was beautiful, but it had a lot of sidewalks, which in Oklahoma is not something we have a lot of, right? So I had four city parks within a mile radius of my house. And I would do a lot of walking and worshiping. I, I would call them my walk and worships. And what I would do is whether it was a break in the middle of the day from work or first thing in the morning or in the evening, I would turn my phone on airplane mode and put headphones in so that either I could listen to music or if I just wanted to talk to God, I wouldn't look like a crazy person because you have headphones in and people assume you're talking to somebody. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I would... No, it's, it's good advice. <laughs> it's great advice. Yeah. You know, just go talk to God, but keep headphones in so that you don't look like you're having a mental break. I, I just do that normally when I'm talking to myself. All that, I just wear <laughs> headphones all the time. It's a, it's a great life advice. But that to me was, those, those were the moments that I heard from the Lord the most. And I would just walk with him and talk with him. And, and the way that the Lord speaks to me is a lot through analogies. So he would take, he would take a situation that I was going through 
and he would recall to mind a biblical story and, and make a connection to say, here, here's maybe what I'm teaching you right now. So I would just be walking and be thinking and praying through a problem that we were going through or something that I was struggling with or, you know, imposter syndrome, because in that time, the Lord was speaking to me and growing me to, to write and speak for women. He was saying like, he was calling me up into this big purpose that at the time I thought, oh no, like you've got the wrong girl. You know, like my journey isn't perfect. I, I've done things I regret. I, I haven't really been following you the way that I thought I was. And so you've broken me down and I'm, I'm not equipped for this. So in a lot of that imposter syndrome, when he is literally giving me content that I am writing and, and creating devotionals from and, and things that I never thought I would have done, he kind of, he was speaking through the imposter syndrome of, of breaking down, right? The you base your success on these worldly things. You base your qualifications on this worldly list. I do things differently. And he would use that time in that space when I was walking and talking to him or just worshiping to, to really strengthen me. And I mean, health benefits, of course, <laughs> you know, you're, you're moving your body, you're in sunshine, like there's a ton of benefits, but the, the major benefit was just creating intentional stillness and removing the distractions. Because like you said, dist and distractions, we know distraction is a major tactic of the enemy. If he can keep us distracted, if he can keep us, you know, thinking that, oh, you didn't start your morning perfectly. So you might as well not even try to have quiet time now. You know, you already opened your phone. So you might as well keep scrolling because God doesn't want what you have now. That's a lie. And that's just a distract, distraction tactic to make us think that it is easier for us to remain, you know, just purely zoned out and numb than it is to spend even a minute, even five minutes with the Lord. And so we just have to remind ourselves when, when all of the, the natural tendencies kick in to want to scroll or want to numb out using whatever it is, whether it's technology or food or drink, whatever it is, to just slow the train. Because he wants to keep you oblivious, but if you can be aware of what he's doing and how he's trying to keep you from the Lord, then you can, then you can pivot, then you can use a new strategy. Uh, that's good. That's great advice. Uh, you said you were speaking for women. Uh, tell me, tell me about that process and, and what were you, you were doing there. Yeah. Um, so while we lived in California, I, I've been a writer for a long time. I, I, you know, went to school for marketing and did a lot of content and um, had a, you know, a personal blog back when blogging was cool. And like I said, being that first year and having all that extra time on my hands, um, I, I stayed on central time hours while we lived in Pacific time. Like I said, so I'm, I'm, I'm a starting work by seven and I'm done by three which meant I had a lot of afternoon time on my hands before Sean rolled in for dinner at seven. So in that extra space, the Lord would just give me these stories. He'd give me these analogies. What ended up being 
email devotions and, and I had already written probably 12 to 15, didn't know what I was going to do with them. It's just, he would give me a topic, you know, the, the subject of waiting or the subject of rest or the, the subject of authentic community. He would just give me something. I'd write it. I'd be obedient. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And a girlfriend of mine, I say she was a friend. She really wasn't at the time. We went to high or we went to college together, had one class together. And back then you added everybody you knew on Facebook. Like if you had one class with them, you add them on Facebook. So I saw through Facebook or Instagram, and this was 2017, that she had started a Christian company based out of Dallas. And it was a ministry where they hand painted Bibles for women. And the proceeds went to women who had been affected by sex trafficking. So it was a worthwhile mission. The products were beautiful. And I just saw that she was doing something cool. And honestly, I was interested in entrepreneurship. And I'm smart enough to know you don't ever reach out to somebody and say, here's what I want you to do for me. <laughs> that if, if you have an ulterior motive, you better bring something to the table. So I reached out to her and said, hey, I'm flying into Dallas to see my sister I want to grab coffee with you because I really think that you could use weekly email devotional content for the people on your email list. And I would love to write it in exchange. I would love some time. Like I want to talk about a few things. I want to talk about business. I want to talk about what you're doing, but I'm, I've been doing this and I think that your audience is the right audience. And if you're interested, I'd love to send you some stuff I'm writing and I'd love to meet. So I think, of course, she's like, what's the catch? <laughs> like, You're just offering to give me this content. But to me, that was, I needed a platform and I needed a reason to be brave, a reason to put stuff out there. And so we met, you know, the, the missions aligned, the understandings aligned. I got her brand. It just, it made sense. So in the beginning of 2018, we started a weekly email that was just going to her email list and, and the company is called wheat and honey co. And so we called it wheatful Wednesdays. Every Wednesday you're getting an email in your box. I'm writing the content. There we go. Well, it took off and the email list started exploding and women were interested. We were getting a ton of responses. So by October, we had released our first physical print devotional and that was again going from the girl who's like I don't want to talk about my faith because I don't feel qualified to 10 months later having an in-hand copy of a of a devotional was just mind-blowing and looking back I mean I I don't even remember writing it because the Lord wrote it there are things that he just brought to mind that I'm like I, I still have copies lying around and I'm like, wow. I mean, I've grown as a writer, but that God did something. I wasn't ready for it, but because I was willing to be obedient, he could still use me. And so ever since that point, um, I've continued to write content for her where we have a new Bible study launching in September about the topic of insecurity for women, which is, I think, something all women and men, but mainly women struggle with. 
and, and how to cultivate God confidence, I think is, is the, the biggest takeaway, but we're launching that in the coming weeks. And then since that point, I just knew I'm, I'm meant to speak and write to Christian women. So I've gotten to do some really cool speaking stuff, but that's just what's next. Well, yeah, that's, I want to get to that uh, part of your journey as well at the, uh, you know, I love the, the idea of you said, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to reach out to somebody who you find influential, make sure you bring something to the table. And I, I think that's just a great lesson, especially for young people, um, you know, who, who want to find maybe a mentor or, uh, you know, find somebody who can help them in with networking or walk, their walk along life is, is just make sure you're bringing something and you, you have to pursue in many ways. Young people forget that, oh, he didn't, he or she didn't. I, I responded and he didn't email me or he didn't, she didn't call me. And so, and you, you get to that point where you're just, you, you're not willing to pursue and you, you really do have to pursue as a young person, uh, a mentor, if you want somebody to mentor you or counsel you or grow you in some, some area. So I thought that was, that was a very, uh, a great, a great perception um, or a great perspective. Uh, how did you end up back in Oklahoma? Well, I, I, everything's a God story. Like I say, um, we, I don't, I'm sure we can say that Sean worked for Tesla and at Tesla, if you stay four years, you're practically a grandpa, right? Like four years is what would be 15 years at a regular company. So we made a deal <laughs> at the very beginning of that move if we can last two years, we will reevaluate. And we were coming up on that second year. And, you know, Corey, we just started seeing things around us. And again, we loved the area, but the quality of life wasn't there because it's just all work. And so finally, to be honest, we just looked up at marriage and said, this is what we have to do for our marriage. And, and we were flying back to Oklahoma. We were seeing family so much. My sister had just had her first child. So I was the crazy person who would like fly in and out of Dallas love bawling, you know, because I just didn't want to leave my family and, and had this new baby that I was just obsessed with. And um, so we finally just looked up and said, have we accomplished what we want to accomplish? And do we feel like the Lord wants us here? Does he want us back in Oklahoma? And, you know, I don't think we accomplished everything we wanted to accomplish because we look back and we say, wow, like we never even gave it a chance, right? Like we were, we were coming back too often. The way the, the words you use are so powerful because when we use the word home, we were referring to Oklahoma. So we would be in community group of people in our little town in Pleasanton, California saying, oh yeah, we're going to go back home this weekend. And they're like, are you staying at a hotel? Like I'm confused. Where, where is home? And it's, it's the wording that we use for coming back to the South. So while we didn't accomplish everything we would have, and there are things we would have done differently, God just started lining everything up. Like the day that we talked about looking for a rental house, the girl that I worked with said, Hey, I've got a house up in Edmond. My renters are leaving early. Do you know anybody who wants it March 1st? Well, March 1st is when we had talked about coming back. I mean, it was just eerie, like how things lined up. 
and Sean had the opportunity to become, he is a health and safety expert. He had the chance to consult and, and work for himself. And, and God just lined it up and said, like, if you, I mean, the guy who he's working with said, like, as soon as you figure out what you're going to do, I have work for you. And, and that was over two years ago and he hasn't slowed down. So it just, we had to sit. And, and I think a lot of times the Lord will do something because as Christians, we're like, we want a yes or no. We'll say like, God, do you want me to do this? And it's like this gut wrenching. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to get it wrong. And sometimes I think that God gives us two good options, right? Like he, it's not a black and white, this is good, this is bad. It's, I have good for you and I'm going to let you decide because there are some times that, and I don't know, you can affirm whether or not this has happened to you that you say, I'm not really hearing clearly. I'm seeing where he's opening doors, but I need confirmation. I need him to make sure because I don't want to get it wrong. And I think in those moments, he wants us to sit in the fact that so long as we're desiring his will and so long that we are seeking his wisdom, sometimes it's not good, bad. Sometimes it's good, good. And as long as we're in that right mindset for wanting to listen to his voice and do his will, he is going to take us down that pleasant path to pleasant places. It's like, you know, Psalm 16, like you lead me down pleasant paths to pleasant places. And the, the boundary lines you set for me are good. So that was one of those instances where I think if we would have prayerfully found peace in wanting to stay and, and find new careers and do something different there, God would have blessed us. But he also opened a lot of doors that we couldn't ignore when it was time to come home and settle. I love that, you know, the words that you use kind of open the doors for you. You know, the life that you lead in many ways, it can be dictated by, by the words that you use and they are so powerful. And we forget that, I think, uh, because they dictate our attitudes and they dictate our direction in many ways. And, uh, and, and so, you know, th those things that we use, that's, you know, I, I think that is a great point. Now you said you were doing some speaking uh, and you're still doing some writing, but the journey toward what you're doing now and what exactly are you doing now? So right now, I feel like I'm a jack of, jack of all trades. Um, professionally speaking on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm a marketing consultant and business coach for Christian entrepreneurs. So that is what I would consider my day job. And, and I love it. It has been such a gift. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But when you ask me, why did God put you on this earth? He put me on this earth to speak and write. And, and I've just, he's never really given me a vision other than those things. So I'm still trying to be diligent. It's like how to steward what's in front of you while also keeping the vision of what God has potentially next for you. It's a really hard balance. So in my professional life, I'm working really diligently to steward my clients and, and to steward what he's given already, but I'm, I have my eye fixed on what's next. And for me, that looks like, like we talked about with the writing, but for speaking specifically, my focus for speaking to women is on the, on the topic of authenticity in community. 
It's on the topic of how to build authentic community, how to grow in relationship, how to embrace the unique personality and gifts and talents and appearance and all the things that God has given you and to truly seek contentment, right? In a world that says you can never have too much. And I think that that's, that's one of the reasons why I was put on this earth is to connect with women and to cheerlead them and champion them and saying, you don't have to settle for being small. God doesn't want you to play small. When, when the desires of your heart are in line with his will, God has big things for you. He doesn't want you to stay scared or fearful. I want to encourage women to chase their potential and grow their impact based on the resources God gives them. But I also want to always touch down and focus on as women, we are called to be content. There is a difference between saying, okay, I recognize some things need to change and I need to grow. But then also having that mindset of, I can never have too much money. I want more. I want more. I want more, more followers, more friends, more influence. We're not called to that either. And so how to truly find godly contentment in a world that says, you should all, more should be the goal. And that you're getting to the point of when you speak to community, you know, a lot of people think community is social media now. So we've got, you know, your community might be the hundred thousand followers you have on TikTok or whatever, but that's not necessarily an authentic community. Yeah. I think there's such a big difference too. And I, just from being a marketing geek, Corey, like when people talk about followers, you know, vanity metrics just do not mean anything. And I have, I have clients in the past who I've talked to that have bought followers and done all these things because they want influence. They want this perception of influence and affluence. And to me, if I have five people in my corner who I know genuinely know me and are praying for me and have my best interest at heart, I would not trade those five people for five million because I think where we're getting focused on right now in culture is vanity metrics because that's how we are measuring success and that's how we're measuring influence. Whereas success, especially as a Christian, success means I can have an impact on one person's life. The measure of that success may be more than getting a thousand likes on a post, right? Having one deep conversation is more meaningful to the Lord than something shallow that has a greater quantity. So I think it's, what are, what are the metrics we're looking at? And when we start measuring community by quantitative metrics, we are going astray. So it's okay that I only have like 12 followers on Twitter. <laughs> you are still I influential, I, Corey. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't try really hard though. I'm not a big fan of Twitter. There's too much anger there. Uh, do, what advice I, do you, and I'm not trying to, you know, steal what you do, but uh, give for, what advice do you give to, uh, to, to the people you counsel? What's, what are some of the, the things you tell them? The basis of my business, and I, I did not come up with this myself. The Lord has had to filter this down from where I started, right? Like, and I just want to say this first. 
if you're considering starting something new, you have to start before you're ready. You have to start when it's messy. You have to start when it's not perfect. The business model I started with two years ago when I went, left corporate to go out on my own is not the business model I have today. But experience and failure is what got me to where I am today. And, and God cannot turn a stalled vehicle. You have to have momentum in order for him to guide you. You can't stay stuck. So I've learned this the hard way, but the main basis of what I do for coaching and consulting, as well as a lot of things that I write and speak about is stewardship. Because as business owners, we're always talking about what is the next goal? What do I want next? What do I not have? What is the big vision I have? But most of the time, we're not even stewarding the things in front of us. We're not creating a valuable experience for customers. We're not taking care of the customers we already have. We are not finding processes that streamline things and make them better. We're not taking care of the finances we have before we worry about the finances we want. So not only from a business lens of stewardship, but also stewardship of resources, of time, of relationships. As a leader, are you stewarding what God gives you instead of complaining about what you don't have? You know, because the Bible says, those who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. So why would God give you more if you can't be trusted with little? And so whether it's in a, in a one-on-one conversation with a friend or speaking to a group of women or having one-on-one coaching with an entrepreneur or a business leader, one of the first questions I ask is, what priorities are already in front of you? What resources has God already given you that you need to take care of with excellence before you start thinking about the big things that you want next? That's good. That's good. It, yeah. I mean, the, those who are given little um, and do well with it will be given more. I, I, I mean, I think that's, that's something I've, I've thought a lot about in, in, in my own life is, is if I don't take care of the things that are small, then I'm not going to get to the things that are big in my life. Where do people find you? Where do they find your writing? Where do they find your, uh, you know, where can people read your content and, uh, and, and hear you speak, see you speak? Well, so I started a new group for ambitious Christian women in Oklahoma City called We Are the Bold. And that is a monthly meetup for anyone who would consider themselves to be a driven Christian woman. And we meet in downtown Oklahoma City. We talk about what it looks like to be a godly woman, what it looks like to not measure success purely based on world, worldly standards, but on godly standards. Um, and just navigating that tension between, you know, being Christian women, but also wanting to pursue the God-sized dreams and goals that he has for us. So I speak to that group once a month. Um, and have ongoing speaking opportunities, not so much in 2021. You know, I think uh, 2022 is going to be the year. I think things are really going to start. Hopefully more precedented times are coming. Um, And then really to everything that I do, that I share, that I post, Instagram is is pretty much where I, I live and breathe. Like you said, is Twitter your Instagram? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. That is not where I live and breathe. That's where I, yeah, uh, no. What, what is your Instagram handle? It is at Jansen Miller. Okay. 
And then do you, you have a, a website people can check out uh, kind of your I, business? I do. It is jansenjollymiller.com. And that link is in my bio on my Instagram page. What a, what a marketing thing to say. The link <laughs> is in my bio. <laughs> I mean, will you help me with my Twitter following? <laughs> Hey, do you, I will. I'm kidding. No, I, I don't need that in my life. Do, uh, do you, do you primarily work with women? Is it, or will you work, do you, um, is that kind of your audience or do you work with men as well? I, from a business standpoint, I work with both. Uh, the two, the two spheres I have are one-on-one clients, which is men and women. And then I also work with Christian organizations, really from that marketing consulting and, and growth strategy perspective. And that's usually a, a larger scale. I'm meeting with their leadership team, which should be made up of different genders, you know. So, so it's a good mix, but just, I would consider just the speaking and writing more female focused, but otherwise I do not discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You're inclusive. I like that. I uh, what does uh, what the future hold for, for you and, and maybe you and your husband? You know, um, that's a great question. We, for the first time ever, we are settling in, we're settling in Oklahoma City. We, we moved five times in four years. And so now being in a home, being here, we are looking forward to actually planting roots and, and deciding and seeing what God has for us next. Cause I think it's just a constant, constant shift. And the more, more comfortable you are with change, the better. So a lot of things happening professionally that I'm excited about, but on the home front, I'm really excited, excited about stability. That's good. And we're uh, obviously excited or we're, we're grateful that you're, you're a part of uh, North Church Guthrie and grateful to have you part of the church and, and, and grateful to have you as a, a friend as well, Jansen. So I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been so good. Thanks for letting me jabber and, and share some of my story. Sorry, your jabbering is a lot, uh, a lot more informative than my jabbering. So sorry. <laughs> oh, well, this has been fun. All right. Well, that was Jansen Miller. She was our guest on this week's edition of Sunday Stories presented by North Church Guthrie. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Sunday Stories. We'd love you to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. North Church services are live streamed on Facebook or YouTube. Or you can join us for a live physical service every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11. North Church Guthrie services take place at 2219 Woodlawn Avenue, just off of I-35 and Highway 33. We'd love to see you there. And as always, love God, love people, and follow Jesus.